Welcome to Get Real with Dr. Renee. With her extensive experience as a double CEO, therapist, and renowned treatment specialist, Dr. Calvert's approach to recovery and emotional freedom is unique and diverse. Dr. Calvert's innovative and unfiltered perspective sheds light on the importance of being human and encourages guests and listeners to get real. Joined by Bindi Hyde, producer, coach, and founder of Ethical Change Agency on a mission to spread collective change, understanding that it starts with us. It's time to get real. In this episode, we get real with special guest Kingsley Moyo. Kingsley joins us from Edmonton in Canada and is a relationship and sex therapist who works with individuals and couples who feel stuck and need more in life. He works within a framework of helping individuals and couples heal from relationship attachment wounds and exploring any family of origin issues that have followed you. Kingsley helps us to understand the secret behind sex 3.0 and where we need to focus. I am so impressed by the work that you do and the passion that you have for your work. Um, And I'm really excited to hear about your approach and the reason why you began this journey into doing the work that you do. What was your calling? Yeah, that's, that's been long in the making. It really started off with the, uh, the family as the core of any community. If uh, relationships in the family are broken, it means productivity at work is, is messed up. It means that um, um, academic pursuits are messed up. Children development is messed up. So if we really wanted to go back and, and kind of work this thing backwards, we would need to go back to where it starts. So in the home. So that was the family unit. And I thought to myself, okay, where do you impact the most? And then it became on the parental level. So from the parental level, that's where my passion began to grow. How do you help couples really, really, really zone in on some of the challenges that they're facing? And one of the things that really stuck out for me was sex. Sex is an integral part of who we are. We are sexual beings. No life, no experience, no journey, no, nothing can be isolated on its own without having to, cont- not having to have sex included in there. And of course, I love sex. <laughs> amen, I love to, amen to that. Um, I recently had um, a baby shower right. uh, that I hosted. And one of the questions that was asked is a bonus question, bonus mm-hmm. round, was what what advice would you offer the new mother? And the advice that I had to offer was, do not forget that you are lovers and partners first. You are, you are parents, you are mommy and daddy, but do not lose the passion that brought this, this new life into the world. And if you have the choice between being exhausted and cooking, order in and make love on the kitchen counter. That was honest to God, my advice. <laughs> so um, that's I because that's I, real. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I believe that it's so easy to, at least for me and the clients that I've seen, we can get trapped in whatever title we give ourselves, not just as parents, but, you know, workers among workers, you know, um, whatever it is, we can, we can just kind of lose touch with ourselves and what I think is so important about the work that you do, as you said, it begins, it begins with the family unit, is 
we really can't heal ourselves from relationship wounds outside of relationships. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a tagline that I use quite a lot when I have conversation, whatever I do, workshops, seminars, relationships shape our identity. Mm-hmm. This idea sometimes that I hear quite often that I don't need anybody. Uh, I need my time. I need to be alone. But we're communal beings. We're relational beings. We heal in community. And I think there's some significant depth that possibly we have lost in trying to isolate somebody to be on their own and say, go get your healing all alone. I'm on this journey on my own. But you forget that there's a brother, there's a cousin, there's an intimate partner. All of these pour into your lives. I'm with you on that, Renee. I'm with you. Yeah, I really, I really think that, you know, being, you know, communication, connection, connection, really, with other human beings. It's not about being perfect. It's about being connected. And I think connection and communication are integral to basically everything we do and every relationship we have. And I've seen so many clients, I've walked so many clients through the idea of who they are in relationship. And I asked them when their last, you know, intimate relationship was, and they say, well, it ended terribly. It was five years ago. And I say, well, how the hell are you supposed to know who you are in relationship now? Because you can't look in the mirror and have a relationship with you can't obviously the most relationship the most important relationship we have is with ourselves but we can't really know how we show up or how we are seen in the world or what we can contribute or or what someone else can contribute to our lives unless we are actually interacting and allowing ourselves to grow within a relationship yeah yeah and, and i just want to speak to somebody possibly is listening and thinking I was hurt in a relationship. Why are you, Renee and Kingsley, trying to tell me to go back into a relationship? I mean, we want to acknowledge that there is harm. Stay away from harm. If you have been abused, sexual abuse, physical abuse, whatever kind of abuse that you have heard, had in the past. In fact, if you're having it right now, get out and go get help. Uh, and I think- Absolutely. That- Thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, go out and go get help. And so while we still say that, go in into a relationship, it doesn't necessarily have to be an intimate relationship. Could be a friend, could be a mom, could be a brother, could be whoever. That's still a relationship that gives you something. That's right. So Kingsley, That's right, I want to ask, um, how do you know when you need a sex therapist? And, and what, do you, what do you actually do with people uh, when they're in therapy to talk about sex? It's interesting, being do you ask that question because I get several calls, uh, people calling me and saying, uh, I didn't see a catalog of who <laughs> I choose. Um, yep. And sometimes I'm listening to the call and I'm talking with them. I'm, I'm getting the sense that no. So they're asking me, so what's your pricing scale? Um, what's your catalog? And I'm like, no, no, it's not that kind of sex therapy. <laughs> this is not sex surrogate. It is sex therapy. <laughs> sex therapy is um is talk therapy, if you want to put it. Um, 
how do you know? Let's start with that. How do you know you need sex therapy? There are really three indicators that I one needs to pay attention to. If you're beginning to feel discomfort, if you're beginning to feel resentment, and if you begin to feel shame or guilt around the word sex or sexuality, it means that you need to go talk to a sex therapist. Um, I love that. I love that. I agree with that a thousand percent. And I think that it's such a concise and precise way of someone being able to identify what they need and why they need it without shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes people tend to think that um, I only need sex therapy when there is a problem. No, mm. if you want to move on to 2.0 sex in your life, 3.0 sex in your life. It's okay. Come see a sex therapist. We can talk and polish up a few things uh, here and there. Think about it. When you buy a new car, you always take it in for an oil change. Is it broken? No. Mm. You want to keep running smooth. What about the relationship? What about sex? And what, wanna... what does sex 3.0 look like? <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be uh, really sex is defined by the people inside. Mm. One of the interesting things is when, when you come and you sit down with me, I don't tell you how to have sex, what positions to have and all that stuff. No, I work with your goals. Mm. And while I work with your goals, I open up your eyes to see, hey, that goal could be moved a little bit beyond what you were thinking. I like it when people get to those aha moments. Like, ah, <laughs> we didn't really think about that. So, so those are some of the things you want to do, the discomfort, the resentment, guilt or shame. And when you come in for sex therapy, uh, Bindi, um, 60 to 70% of the stuff that we're dealing with is psychological. Mm. 30 to 40% is physiological, where the body parts are not working uh, and all that stuff. And usually for that, I collaborate. I can't do everything. There's medical experts, urologist, OBGY, um, uh, oncologist, if cancer has been involved. Um, um, uh, Renee is a trauma specialist. Um, there's depth that you can go and get in there. So those are the two sides that I do. Obviously, I have to get an assessment. Let's mm. find out what has been your sex life been? What have you been up to? Uh, what have you tried? What haven't you tried? Really assess your relationship to your body. It's interesting. The easiest question you could ask is around uh, um, sex is um, when you stand in front of a mirror, what do you see? You'll be surprised the questions that you hear. Talk about masturbation. When you masturbate, what is it like? What do you feel after that? Disgust? What, what is it that you feel? So it's an assessment of your relationship to sex with your body. Mm. It's, it's huge, but those are some of the things that we can begin to get in there to kind of pull it apart. So starting with that's, the self. That's so essential because, mm. I mean, if you have shame or disgust around self-love, right? Because masturbation is a form of self-love. It really is. Um, and if you have disgust about that, then to share that with a partner is, you know, my God, the level of vulnerability that that takes and the resentment that you may feel, or the guilt that you may feel and the different ways that may act itself out within the relationship. And when I heard you say, you know, I look forward to, I'm paraphrasing now that aha moment. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like for me, it's like you move people to 
from aha to ah, oh, ah, oh, you know, I mean, I honestly, couldn't have put it better, Renee. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. That's that's the whole idea, right? It's like, it's like there's aha and then there's, oh yeah, baby. That's that's the idea for me. That's the 3.0, right? Just when you go from the aha moment, it opens up to the, oh yeah, moment, you know? So 2.0 is aha moment. Mm -hmm. 3.0 is aha. Yeah. (laughs) I got it now. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. That was, that was, that was, that was a duo right mm-hmm. there that you just saw, just mm. so you know. Um, Life but, is complete. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I think that, you know, one of the things I would want to, to ask you, Kingsley, is, you know, there's, there's such a way of defining problems within oneself, right? Like, you know, for married couples, especially parents, maybe not even parents, people who have whatever backgrounds they have, they don't have to be traumatized. It can be just their own belief system around sex. It can be whatever, you know, it goes from everything to the, I mean, I remember back in the day, we're going way back now to like, you know, don't have sex before the third date or you're a slut. Yeah. kind of a thing you know there's all of these there's there's all of these kind of rules and regulations that are placed around sex and I feel like so many of us and I say us because I really feel like as human beings that's really where we connect with our clients is understanding that we're human too is that we are always faced with these kinds of these kinds of like parameters that we're supposed to live up to you know these ideals that we're supposed to live, live up to like if you're not having sex this many times a week, there's something wrong with your relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, for me, you know, working with trauma, working with the client type of clients that I work with, I feel like it's so important for them to define what feels right to them. How do you handle that from a sexual perspective? I mean, when someone comes to you and says, you know, I, for me, sex is, you know, I want to have sex three times a day and to have their partner and their partner's like, I do not, you know, how do you kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a relationship question. We're really talking about more than sex here. We're talking about the way that someone defines intimacy and connection. And it may look very different for, for each person in the relationship. So can you kind of give maybe even an example of, of without, of course, in total confidentiality, but how do you walk somebody through understanding what their, their normal is or that what they consider their goal for sex or their goal for intimacy and relationship is acceptable, not only acceptable, but is, is to be acknowledged, revered, respected by, you know, validated how do you how do you how do you work with that? Yeah, uh, it's a common thing, and uh, uh, mismatched couple desires is something that mm. I really work with a lot. And um, stereotyping a little bit, you generally find that men have a higher sex drive than women. But now with the uh, 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 the sexual revolution, where we are discovering that uh, women as well can have a higher sex drive, they can enjoy sex much more. There is, there is this equilibrium that is being reached, uh, being reached now whereby we are all 
capable and able to be able to experience sex the same way. One of the things, one of the words that you used, and I use that quite a bit in my in my sessions, normal. I normalize sex talk. I normalize your desire to have uh, sex multiple times. I normalize, because what happens is when a couple is like that, uh, the other partner will tend to shame the other partner in order to behaving right by giving them sex. And the other partner would shame the other partner for desiring so much sex in order to get the result they desire of having them reduce their desire of sex. Mm -hmm. So right there, the other person is saying, you are wrong, you are wrong. Um, so I started by beginning to say, hey, let's, let's normalize this thing. If y'all thirsty, that's okay. You are thirsty. Keep wanting your three times. You, 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 you are fine like that. But if you... I don't want it that much. That's okay too. Then I like to take take some steps back. I take a systematic approach in, in all of these issues. I usually tell my couples, when you come into this room, um, your grandma, your uncles, everybody, your school teacher, your, your siblings, your whole family is sitting in here because I believe in that statement. Relationships shape your identity. Whatever you learned about sex came from somewhere. And your family of origin tends to be the one that pours into that. And then we start looking at limiting beliefs. The person who does not want a lot of sex, what is the limiting belief? Am I too fat? Am I unlovable? Mm. Um, um, am I undesirable? Um, what is it exactly that's going on? Um, is it stress at work? Um, what's really happening for them? I'm not even talking about the the the, the organs penetrating each other. Or no, the, no. Right You're talking about the person. Yeah, You're I'm not about the person. Me. The barriers that stand in their way that are their their own barriers, their own their own beliefs about themselves. I relate so heavily to that. Being a woman in recovery from eating disorder, you know, I I you know my intimacy was so based on for a long time. Uh, you know, a sexual partner of mine might have felt that they were not desired. Mm. It, was not, it was not that. It was that I did not consider myself desirable enough right. to, to, to expose myself. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they're looking at me going, oh, my God, oh, my God, if you're just, can you please take off your clothes, you know? And I'm looking at myself going, what the heck? I don't even want to look at myself in the mirror. How would I want to expose myself to you? And that was yeah. real for you. It was so real. And so there was real. pain around that. And I would imagine somebody probably dismissed that and it made you even hide away. And all of that, actually, it's like a domino effect. With all of those limiting beliefs that are present there, you'll begin to realize there's erectile dysfunction, um, low desire, uh, no orgasms, uh, painful pain during sex you probably have dealt this from a trauma standpoint vaginismus yeah. we call it in this fancy yeah. term but it's really painful sex and and and, and then even so on that's when we begin to say okay now we begin to work with the organs uh penetrating rubbing before we even go there as i mentioned that 70 30 that 60 40 split is really what's at the core and i i've i've discovered this I've discovered this. Many couples, their goal for sex is either pregnancy or orgasm. Mm. And by doing that, they miss the full picture and the richness of sex. The goal of sex is pleasure. Oh, I love pleasure. that. 
And that's where we get to the aha, the 3.0. Because if you, the goal is orgasm and you have a partner who reaches orgasm faster, the other one is frustrated. Or if you have a partner who has a low desire, they never reach orgasm or they have erectile dysfunction, it's just going to be a mess. But if we say it's pleasure, the organs don't need to penetrate. They could just rub and there can be pleasure. There could be just play and there could be pleasure. So that's how I generally work with couples. Um, I know people are coming and saying, sex therapy, we're going to be talking about sex all through and through. No, I'm talking about your grandma. I'm talking about your mom. I'm talking about your dad. Do, do you even know that your parents had sex? Is that, was it a mystery? <laughs> was it normalized? What is it like for you? How did you learn about sex? So that's, that's generally how I, I approach it. And that's no one way size. There's no one size that fits all. But overly, I weave through using some of these things. I love that you say that the end goal is always pleasure because if it's not, that's where the anxiety comes in, isn't it? Yes. Performance. I got to perform. I got to perform. I got to last this long. And by the way, newsflash for men, if you are lasting anywhere between five to seven uh, minutes, you are among the normal men. You don't need to last 50 minutes or 40 minutes or 30 minutes. You are among the normal men. Uh, And by the way, for those that are out there, your penis does not need to be huge and long in order for you to pleasure your partner. No, it is the girth that actually makes a difference. Let me liberate somebody. Thank you for tuning in to Get Real with Dr. Ronay. If you've loved the show and would like to experience coaching with coaches like Dr. Ronay or Bindi through Live Treatment Concierge Services, visit livetreatmentvip.com. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.